0: Peter, chapter four, verse twelve and thirteen. As you're turning there, uh, I want to apologize. I'm so sorry <clears throat> about my voice. I hope it's not as uh, painful to use as it sounds to me. But uh, I was out uh, camping with uh, our some of our high schoolers from our church this weekend. Our uh, high school discipleship group called Edge has taken a hiking and camping retreat, and uh, they're in the Talladega Forest. And so I was there uh, with my son, and I uh, had, to, had to get up early this morning and come home. And so uh, at 4.30, it was cold in the Talladega Forest and dark. I never hiked in the woods at night. And uh, I was told that, you know, you'll park your car, and it's a, a little mile, you know, route in there. It's no big deal. And we walked in during the day, and it didn't seem like a big deal. Uh, And it just so happens that what a mile means is 1.8 tenths of a mile. Where I'm from, we call that two miles. And so at 4.30 this morning, I had to get up in the dark and walk out. Um, Have you ever seen Blair Witch? Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, But I can tell you nothing that you felt when you watched it can compare to what I felt this morning. At 4 30, when I put my foot in a creek and I heard coyotes howling and my light started to flicker. And I went, no, 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 no. So uh, I'm sorry about my voice. Apologize, but our, our kids are out there about 30, 35 in the group. Uh, if you're a parent of one of them, had a great time, good hot meal last night. Everybody bunked down safe. I saw them all. They were all there. And uh, uh, Pastor Jeremy went and checked every tent. They're all in there. And uh, when I left this morning, they were snoring. So they're all good. They're uh, all, already up this morning, and they're starting a 10-mile hike today. And so they'll hike to another shelter later on today. They're probably uh, maybe, maybe three or four miles into that hike by now. They'll hike to another shelter, um, and then they'll spend the night there. In the morning, they'll get up and come out on a trail that I'm told is eight-tenths of a mile. That could mean 3 to 5. I'm not sure what that means. So I'm not going back. Anyway, 1 Peter chapter 4. Did you find it yet? Well, I'm not ready for it. We're finishing the series called The Wall. Uh, today will be the last message in this series. And um, if you're a guest today or you missed part of, part of these, let me just kind of catch you up so you know where we are today. The wall we've described as a place we hit in our faith journey it is a a place of um, crisis it is an internal crisis it's a place where we get stuck and, and nothing we've done in the past seems to work nothing seems to help get us through the wall the reason for that I believe is because God is holding us back because there's some things inside of us he wants to bring to the surface and he wants to deal with. So the wall is the place where our will meets God's will face to face. Now, last week we saw in uh, Simon Peter, the Apostle Peter in his life, how he had hit the wall. How he had, when he hit the wall, he learned more about himself than he wanted to know. He learned about his own darkness, he learned about his own brokenness, he learned about his own flaws. He learned that he was worse off than he thought. And there comes a point in your faith that until you can see what Simon Peter saw, you can't go any further. You're going to be stuck at the wall. In other words, until you can see how badly you actually need God, until you you can become aware of how deeply broken and, and hopeless that you are, not just without God's salvation, but without God's present work in your life, then you're stuck. And you won't get through that point until you, and that's the first step, of becoming aware of that. So there are several transitions that we make in life uh, when we hit the wall. We transition to the point where we, we come to a greater knowledge of who we really are. In other words, like I'm saying with Simon Peter, the darkness, the brokenness, the weakness, the, the, the flawedness. Then we come to a realization of who God really is. He's not who we thought he was. But we come to a greater understanding of that. Then we come to a greater understanding, finally, of who God wants us to be. In light of who I really am, in light of who you really are, who do you really want me to be now? So last week when we left Simon Peter, he was at breakfast with Jesus. And Jesus was asking him, do you love me? He said, yes. Do you love me? Yes do you love me Lord you know everything why do you keep asking me this you know that I love you and this is the point where Jesus had begun to transition Simon Peter from the person that he was to the person that God wanted him to be that was what part of the question was about do you love me yes the Apostle Peter's in transition from a person who he thought deeply loved God to a person who actually deeply loved God He had to come to that crisis point before his love for God deepened and intensified. Now, if you look on the uh, screen, we have the stages of faith that we've used uh, through this series to describe how a person journeys in their spiritual life. So you can see these six stages. In other words, we talked about when I first become a Christian, it's just kind of where I discover God. There is a God. He's real. He loves me. And we're overwhelmed by the change and the power that's coming to our life. And then in the second stage, we begin to identify with, other, with a denomination, with a, with a certain group of Christians, with a certain church, with a Christian leader. We identify there with that person, and, and that's how we continue to grow. Remember, all these are stages of growth. None are bad. None are wrong. None are evil, just like being a child or a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. None of those ages are wrong. They're all good, but none of them need to be stayed in. They all got to come, come through. And so there, there are different ways. So I, I understand my Christian faith in stage 2 by my identification, by, who, by who, who I'm in relationship with. That's why small groups, life groups, are so important. It helps people dynamically, basically in all stages, but particularly in that stage of faith. Then we go to the third stage where we become productive now, all these stages early on, first, second, third, are about what 's happening around me, about what 's going on outside me and the third stage is where we, we grow in our Christian faith by being productive. in other words, we begin to, we begin to uh, we're at, we come to church regularly. We're at church all the time. We come to all the services. We come to the events. We, we, we're uh, getting more faithful at reading our Bible and doing our devotions and serving and sharing our faith. And we're really focused on doing good and get, getting the sin that's been in our life out of our life. We're giving. We're sacrificing. It's all about what's outside right now. We're being productive. Now, here's what happens though. The first three stages are Outward. What God does is when we first learn about Him in Christianity, He starts from the outside working his, working his way in. He's working His way in. He's working His way in. He's working His way in. And then He begins to unpack and work His way back out into a productive, not this stage, into a deeper Christian faith and life. See, it's not, our, it's not that our actions early in our faith are wrong or sinful or bad it's just that we mistake them for what the christian life is about what's the christian life about it's about going to church it's about reading your bible it's about tithing it's about serving it's about the things that i do outside it, that's what jesus contention with the pharisees was right the pharisees would say i fast twice a week i i, I give at the temple i go to the temple courts daily And then Jesus said, because they thought their Christianity was about their external action. And he said, you're like a cup that's empty. It's beautiful on the outside, but there's nothing on the inside. Clean the inside of the cup, and the outside will be clean. So if the Christian life is not about good actions, then what is it about? It's about good actions overflowing from a deeply transformed heart. That's what it's about. And it takes a little while to get there. So Simon Peter gets here, first, second, third, the journey inward. Now he hits the wall. Now he's starting his journey outward. This is where, this is where he begins to move and realize that the Christian life, it's not about everything that's around me, it's about God's kingdom in me. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is within you. So he's coming through the wall to the other side. He goes through stage five, that's the journey outward, stage six, the life of love, which is total, total obedience to God. This is where we start to uh, uh, unpack the wisdom we've gained from life struggles. We live compassionately for other people. You know, we've heard the cliché for years, you've probably heard it, hurt people, what do they do? They hurt people. What do healed people do? They heal people. Healed people heal people. The only way to get healed internally is to go through the wall. So there becomes an increasing detachment from things and stress. There becomes a fearlessness and a, and a, a boldness. A sacrificial, living an abundant life. This is what Paul the Apostle said. Do you remember in Philippians? He said, if you kill me, I'll go to heaven. If you leave me here, I'll preach. You pick, I win. Satan can't... What can Satan do to a person that has nothing to lose? What foothold can Satan get in the life of a believer who has nothing to lose? Nothing. How do you get there? Whoa. That's going to take a little while. That's going to take really moving on in faith. It's very important that we move through these walls. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It's not a sprint. It's like cross country. It's a journey. It could take years. It could take months. It doesn't matter about the pace what matters is that we go through it. doesn't matter how slow. The number one hindrance in our faith journey is, is holding on to something that we need to let go of. I guarantee you that will hold your life back. It will prevent your forward progress. It's actually what makes you get stuck at the wall. When we were in uh, Argentina one year, the missionaries are so kind, they, they have something for their teams called pie night. And they invite you over for pie. And the missionary's wife cooks five or six different kinds of pie. It's like heaven. And we have pie night. We have a slice of heaven. And at the end of the night, we just share about the week. And I remember one night we were in Rocky and Sherry Graham's house. And Sherry said, I really feel like uh, the Lord wants me to share something with this team. And she said, there's three things. And I'll never forget, I'm telling you, it was a God moment and I'll never forget that moment. It was for me and it was for other people on that team. She said, the only things that can hurt you are the things you're not willing to let go of. If you let go of it, it can't hurt you anymore. But if you hold it, it can. And this is the lesson here. When we have dreams that didn't come to pass, that we won't let go of, when we have wounds that we hold on to, when we have grudges, when we have unforgiveness, when we have anger, when we have unfulfilled expectations, when we have things that we won't let go of, that's when we get. Stuck and it takes a while sometimes to let go of them. Here's the bottom line It just takes a while to get through all the things that life has done to us. I can remember um, Years ago 15 years ago, maybe Sitting on the uh, front porch of a nursing home with my wife's dad her mother h- had a disease called Huntington's chorea, and it, it um, it just degenerates your body over years. And they suffered as a family. He and his wife suffered as a couple with that for 20 20 plus years. And she spent the last eight years of her life in a nursing home. And so he raised two daughters. My wife is the oldest by himself. And he took care of her. And she was uh, handicapped. and, And her, as the disease degenerated, she became more dependent to the point that she had to be put in a nursing home. And um, actually, he'll be speaking next Sunday. I'd if if, if love to have you here. You'd love to hear him. I was sitting on the uh, front porch with him in a rocking chair, and she was over beside him in a little thing they had her in to hold her up. And I can remember he looked over at me and he said, do you know how I've made it through this all these years? And I, 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 I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, I got nothing. I got no idea. I don't know. Because I looked at her. And I looked at what this had done to her. And I looked at the... I saw from the inside. I saw what it did to the home and what it did to the family. And I saw the pressure and the stress. And the crisis. And I, and I, I said, I got no idea. And he said... God's grace now okay that that answer didn't surprise you, did it? but have you ever heard something that you already knew, but there was something about hearing at that time that you heard it deeper? It was like it was the first time, it's like it was new. it's like I knew that, but I didn't know it like that. It hit me like a shock wave in my soul and and he and then he started to sing, grace, grace. And I thought, I wasn't really sure what we were supposed to do. And we sat on the front porch of the nursing home and sang, Grace, grace, God's grace. See, what's important about life is not you being able to prevent everything from happening to you that you don't want. Because it's impossible. What is important is that you get through everything life does to you right that's what's important so as you look in, in Simon Peter's life about that it's it's not that when Simon Peter went through the wall that he didn't fail remember last week we talked about how he failed a lot i mean a lot and how he probably even thought he was a failure and and it's not it's not just that he now knew He wasn't a failure. It's that now, after sitting with Jesus at breakfast and him saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now he realizes that God loves him no matter what. Because he's thinking, I can't blow it any more than I already have. And if he loves me now, he's probably always going to love me. Simon Peter left the seashore, and he left breakfast with Jesus. and, 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 And he came through the wall. And shortly after he traveled to Jerusalem, and the Bible says in Acts that he waited, he waited with the early church up in the upper room because Jesus told him to go there and wait until the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit poured his power out on Simon Peter and those other 120 that were in the room. Most people regard that as the beginning of the church. Guess who preached the first sermon? Simon Peter, remember, the failure, the coward, the liar, the impulsive, the violent, preached the first sermon. He also became their spokesperson and their leader. I went through and looked at some other things that Simon Peter did after he got through the wall. Listen to this. He was used by God to heal several crippled people. He was used to bring someone back to life from the dead he received a vision from God to tell him that the church and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the New Testament wasn't just for the Jews it was also for everybody else in the world that's not a Jew how many of you not Jews come on don't lie how many of you not Jews I'm talking about you that's what that vision meant he was busted out of jail by an angel Shortly after becoming a Christian, he spent 15 days with Paul the Apostle teaching him. And, the, and no doubt had an had a influence on his life. Paul referred to Simon Peter as one of the pillars of the church. One of the pillars of the church? This failure? The Apostle Peter, maybe you didn't know this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels. Most Many people now believe that Simon Peter wrote the Gospel of Mark. But the Gospel of Mark, Mark, it was by dictation. Mark wrote it down. The Apostle Peter gave him the content. Read, read the Gospel of Mark. It, it, it'll remind you of his personality. It's about action. And then he wrote First and 2 Peter. Now through the beginning of his life, we see all the lying and all the cowardliness And we see all the manipulation and the impatience and the impulsiveness and the running of the mouth. But here we are now near the end of his life. He's gone through the wall. He's transitioned from who he thought he was to who he really was, now to who God wants him to be. Have you found 1 Peter chapter 4 yet? I want to read to you some of this man's words now that he's moved through the wall. This coward, this failure, this liar, this impulsive, violent man, this person who said, I'll never leave you if everybody leaves you. I want to read to you some of his words near the end of his life. And I want you to see if those words reveal to you if he's made it through the wall. 1 Peter 4 12 and 13. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed that's at the NIV I love the way Eugene Peterson has translated that into the message I want to read that version for you friends, when life Gets really difficult. Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. That's a good word. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Boy, isn't that good! You think he got through the wall before before he would have just ran out, pulled his sword, cut somebody's ear off, said something stupid, but now he's matured. He's moved through the wall. He's becoming the person that Jesus wanted him to to be. And now he's saying, Hey, that stuff used to catch me off guard. Don't be surprised by this trial, but rejoice. You've taken part in the sufferings of Jesus. Do you remember last week we talked about when the soldiers came to get Jesus? Simon Peter's there. They say, we're going to come take you. He pulls the sword out, cuts the soldier's ear off. Jesus puts it back on, says, don't do that. Don't do that again. Then the soldiers take Jesus. Simon Peter follows at a distance, hiding in the bushes, hiding behind the trees, wondering what's going to happen to Jesus now. And then there, he's warming his hands over a fire, and somebody sees maybe the light of the fire flickers on his face, and they say, hey, wait a minute. You're you're with him, aren't you? What does he say? No. No, I'm not with him. Hey, wait a minute. You're one of Jesus' followers, right? No, I don't know him. Ask him one more time, three times. Isn't that interesting? How many times did Jesus ask him, do you love me? there might be something there and he says I recognize you you're one of his followers and he starts cursing I promise you I don't know the man and he denies him he denies him now I don't know if you realize this or not but Simon Peter has another opportunity later in life to deny Jesus church history records that Simon Peter was captured because of his faith, because he was a Christian, because he was a believer, because of his influence for Christ, and basically is told, you're going to be crucified just like the man that you followed. He died, and you're going to die. Now, if you deny him, Are you really one of his followers or not? What's he going to do? The question hasn't changed. The cross has not changed. Simon Peter has changed. And he says, "Hmm. I've been through too much. I cannot deny him. You can crucify me. If you're going to crucify me But I can't deny him And actually Church history records That he said Matter of fact If you're going to crucify me I don't deserve to be killed The same way Jesus was When you crucify me Nail me to the cross And hang me upside down I don't deserve to die The way he did do you think he's gotten through the wall I don't I don't know what would call someone to do that winning the lottery wouldn't call someone to do that material gain wouldn't call someone to do that being promoted at work wouldn't call someone to do that having a dream job wouldn't call someone to do that there's only one power on earth I know that is strong enough To make any person ever do anything like that. It's love. Simon Peter has become so convinced. That God loves him. He's got nothing to lose. Kill me if you want. But you can't take this soul. I'm with him. No matter what. I'm with him. I'm just going to tell you. It takes a little while to get there. I guess in the end, Jesus wants to know if you would still love him and if you would still follow him if things don't turn out the way you think they should. I guess that's what we learn from Simon's life. Would you still follow him? Would you still love him if things don't turn out the way you thought they should? If If your life somehow, your circumstances, your job, your dreams, your fears, if they don't turn out the way you think they should, will you still follow him? And as I said before, it's very important that you answer that question and you move through the wall because it's not just you that it affects. It affects everybody around you. Think about it. If Simon Peter hadn't gone through the wall, let me give you a list of things we wouldn't have. Several cripples would have never been healed. He'd have still been out on the boat fishing. That's where he'd have been. Several cripples would have been healed. A dead person wouldn't have been brought back to life. Gentiles may have never been included in faith. That's us. Paul the apostle would have missed some teaching that he needed. One of the pillars of the church would have been absent. We would not have First and Second Peter in the Bible, nor most likely the book of Mark. I think about how my wife's dad moved through that wall. And I think, what would have happened had he not done it? I'm willing to say there are hundreds of people who are in ministry today that wouldn't be in ministry. I would guess there are thousands of people that know Christ this morning that wouldn't know Christ had he not come through that wall. There are missionaries on the field today working in other countries that I don't believe would have been there. Had he not come through that wall. Who knows what would have happened to my wife? They went through chaos. I don't th- Had he not come through that wall, I don't think she would have made it. She was the firstborn. She went through the brunt of that drama and that, and that crisis. Had he not made it, she wouldn't have made it. I would have never met her. I wouldn't have the kids I have. I wouldn't be your pastor. You and I have never met. Many of you have never been in this room. Every staff pastor that serves at this church today was hired by her dad. It's like it's a wonderful life. Do you, you don't know what will happen, but I'm telling you this don't think for a minute that going on in your faith is optional. I mean, it is optional, it's not without consequence. It's optional. It, it major optional but if you don't get through that wall if you don't let go of the stuff that's happened in your life don't live under the myth that it doesn't affect anybody else positively or negatively it does remember what i said earlier it's not about preventing everything that could ever go wrong from happening in your life it's about getting through everything that happened And by God's grace, my father in law says, you can get through. You can get through. You can get through. If you don't get through the wall, we're missing a lot of stuff. You are, your spouse is, your family is, your children are, your grandchildren will, your great grandchildren. It may even affect that far. Who knows? It's critical. And by the way, it's entirely possible by God's grace. God wants to pull you. He wants to move you. He wants to use you. He wants to pull out of your life from a deep place. He wants you to know that everything that's going on on the inside is where Christian life and faith really live. And those externals that come out, are just, are just overflow. They're symptoms. They're things that come out because of the deep work of God. So in, in America, we've gotten stuck in the first or second or third stage. And we don't tend to go on. And this whole series has been about how do we go on and what do we go on to? We go on to the wall. And when we hit it, we just stand there for a while and let God do what only God can do. Give Him a chance. It's a void. It's a blackout. It's a numb place. It's a hard place. But it's necessary to get through or you just hit it and back up and hit it and back up. Hit it and back up and you never get through it. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Your life is not an island. You do affect the people around you. And I think the most profound moment of our life is when we become convinced that God loves us. We all think that we believe that until something happens. And then we doubt. And we say, but I thought, but I thought, but if God loves me, why this? If God loves me, why, why this? Why did this happen? Where's God? And those are all those questions that flood in. This morning as we go to prayer, I want to ask you to pray with me. Everybody in the room, I want to ask you to pray with me. I think it's so easy for church to become a spectator deal where you just come and watch the worship team sing their songs you come and watch me speak and and as long as you only watch you remain unchanged but when you engage you change your life changes when you engage you begin to understand God's love for you God's plan and so when we pray this morning I'm just going to ask everybody to pray so important that you turn your attention away from just listening to my voice and you turn it to God and say God now what are you what are you saying to me about this what do you, what there's some things I don't know how to say I don't have to say that God will say to you and so when we pray I want you to pray and when we go to prayer this morning I'm going to ask for those of you who say there's some things I'm having a hard time getting through it could be a lost dream regret, grief fear unforgiveness and when you pray you'll know what it is when you pray you'll know what it is. there's so much freedom there's so much strength that comes when you step out and you let somebody agree with you in prayer it doesn't mean you have to tell everything you ever knew it just means that you come and say I want you to pray with me here's the big question that as I was praying this morning coming out of the woods Once I realized I wasn't going to die, I started to pray. Maybe I should have prayed before. breakfast is in this room and he's asking some of you will you follow me even if your life's not turning out the way you thought it should if that question's for you when we pray I want you to come and let, let somebody in the prayer team pray And look that's not for everybody it is for everybody ultimately it's just not for everybody today day respond. If it's not, your time's coming. And when it does, respond. So would you stand with me this morning, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. As our prayer team's coming, everybody from the prayer team come. Also, if you're here and you say, to be honest with you, I'm not even totally sure I'm following God anyway. I'm not even sure I'm a believer. I'm not even sure not even sure i'm really okay with god i'm gonna ask you when everybody else comes i'm gonna ask you to come too and nobody will know it was you but you'll know and i want to ask you to come and let one of the prayer team pray with you and, and you can start following jesus today you can start today so would you close your eyes with me this morning would you bow your heads Let's just begin to pray together. And, and I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. You don't have to pray loud. But if you're comfortable, pray out loud. And let's just ask God. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning you would come and search our hearts. Lord, I pray you would, This is such an important moment. It's been in such an important series. It's life, life changing. God, I ask you today that you would speak to us. Lord, say to me what you want to say to me. Let me hear what you're saying to me. God, for those in the room that you're nudging now, you're prompting, will you follow me even though your life has not turned out the way you thought it should? Will you love me? Will you follow me? Will you come to faith today and follow me? You feel As you feel prompted by the work of the Holy Spirit, I want you to step out. As you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you, as you feel Him prompt you, as you feel Him talk to you, as you feel Him say, I'm talking to you this morning. Maybe you're stuck somewhere, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning. For those that are stuck. Lord, those that are trying to get through, those that are trying to work their way through, would you come this morning?